0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hey, hey, we're Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. I'm Veronica Daschle. I'm Elaine Swetman.
1: And I'm Charles Kelso.
0: And we're too busy monkeying around to put anybody down. Welcome back to Monkeying Around. This week we are talking to Melanie Mitchell. But first, Chuck, what's happening in the world of the monkeys?
1: Well, we've got some news from Friday Records, actually. Friday Records has announced that they're issuing Mickey Dolan's Puts You to Sleep on vinyl. And that's really all the info we have so far. It just says more info soon from Friday Music. Are you familiar with Mickey Dolan's Puts You to Sleep?
0: Uh, only I know that it exists. I am familiar
2: with a few of the songs because I have used them for song of the day before. Okay. Yeah. It's good.
1: It's good. I mean, he's got you know a couple of Lennon McCartneys on there. He's got Blackbird and Fool on the Hill. Uh, Pillow Time um, from the Monkees is on there. The Porpoise song. Uh, it's a good collection. Um, that This is where, if you've ever heard that fan mashup of Mickey and Paul singing Fool on the Hill as if they were singing together... This is where the Mickey end of it comes from. <laughs>
0: That's pretty yes. cool.
1: Uh, it, it's a good record. So I'm excited to have this on vinyl right now. There's really no information aside from that, but I'm, I'm looking forward to this coming out.
0: Yeah. return vinyl, I'll take it.
1: Yeah. And then speaking of which, 7A Records announced just today as we're recording this that there's a special going on on Deep Discount. Uh, you can currently get the Dolan's Jones Boys and Heart 2LP vinyl set for $21.92 on deep discount. I don't know how long that special is going to last. So by the time this episode comes out, it may be gone. Who knows? It might be a one-day thing. I have no idea. But if you have an interest in getting it, I mean, that's like 7A said, it's the, probably the cheapest it's ever going to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a good price for that.
0: That's an extremely good price. Yeah. Yes. All right, so we're going to take a quick break to promote our fellow ESO Network podcast show. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to Melanie Mitchell. So stay right there.
3: It was the year of fire,
0: the year
1: of
3: destruction,
0: the year we took back what was ours.
3: It was the year of rebirth,
4: the year of great sadness, the year of pain, and the year of joy. It was a new age.
1: It was the end of history.
4: It was the year everything changed. The year is 2261. The place, Babylon 5. The podcast is the Epsilon 3.
1: Right here on the ESO Network.
0: Welcome back to Monkeying Around. This week, we are joined by author Melanie Mitchell of Monkey Magic, a book about a TV show about a band. (laughs) Welcome, Melanie. Hello.
4: We're happy to have you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Excellent. So tell us about how you got into the monkeys.
4: Well, I am an extremely late bloomer. I was technically old enough that I could have seen the show on NBC back in 1968. I would have been six at the time. Yeah. But I didn't. Okay. (laughs) We only had one TV in the household. I had no older siblings, and my parents would not let me choose what was going to (laughs) be on TV. (laughs) Right. So I kind of missed out on the whole thing. It all just sort of slipped past me. I was vaguely aware of the tv show i had a couple of the records i went to one concert in the 80s and didn't get it Mm. and i heard in march of 2012 that davy jones had passed away and it was on all the news shows and it was on all the newspapers and magazines and everyone was talking about it on the radio and i checked it out i was curious i fell down the monkey hole (laughs) i have been falling ever since (laughs) understand that
3: Yep.
1: (laughs) yeah that tends to happen that tends to happen once you you, you get a little taste of the monkeys and pretty soon you're dressed like mickey Dolans. (laughs) 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 that's what happened
4: (laughs) following shoesway blues all over the eastern seaboard right yeah i I once had the opportunity to meet maggie mcmanus um and i thanked her on behalf of all the first-generation fans and second-generation fans who kept this thing going for all those decades, because that's why there was a monkey hole for me to fall into. (laughs) I mean, the internet was just bursting with concert footage and interviews and TV appearances and teen magazines and this and that and the other thing. And I just went from one video, to the next video, to the next video, to the next video, to the next <laughs> video, and it was just, I, I was trapped. Right. <laughs> so your book
0: focuses on the TV show. Um, mm-hmm. What is your favorite album, though?
4: My favorite album? Hmm. I don't tend to think of the monkeys in terms of albums simply because that's not how I experienced them. Right. Yeah. Right. So if I had to pick a an entire Album as a set, it would have to be good times simply because I was there for that. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that makes sense. yeah <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: that was that was our first one as well. yeah so
1: yeah. we're really partial to that album. That was sort of a, a, the start of our monkey fandom because like wow. like you, I'd been familiar with the monkeys for a long time until one extent or another. I knew the hits, you know, the ones that they played on all these radio. But it wasn't until "She Makes Me Laugh" came out, and it really got my attention, and like it re- reunited me with that music that I loved growing up. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and like you, we fell on the monkey's rabbit hole hard, <laughs> <laughs> right?
2: And I'm I'm the one who had been standing around the hole since 1986, just going, "Oh,
1: cool.
4: What's <laughs> okay, maybe one day I'll get there."
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> well, the. Good to get back. I, I mentioned that I had been to a concert in 1987, and I know it was 1987 because I remember Weird Al Yankovic opened for them. Oh, nice! Did a little research, figured it out. <laughs> um, and the one concrete memory I have of that show was Peter playing Bach on the keyboard, mm. and all of the people in the crowd going wild. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, "I don't get this." Why is everyone so excited about
3: this? (laughs) I
4: I didn't have the information to know what it was that I was seeing. So I missed it. (laughs) I know now.
0: (laughs) So Good Times was your favorite album. Um, Is your favorite song from Good Times or do you have a favorite song from elsewhere?
4: I don't have a favorite song. I have different songs that I like in different ways. Mm. Um, If I had to pick one of the classic you know, if it hits, it would be Pleasant Valley Sunday. Um, but from good times, I really love me and Magdalena. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's that's yeah. been a, a huge, that was a huge one for them.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also, if you throw a, a curveball into it, um, for some, well, actually, for several reasons. There's a song from the Just Us album that I really love. Okay. Um, oh. I Believe You. Okay. Okay. Which is I know. one that a lot of fans don't care for, but it really it really touches me. I really love that. Well, that's yeah. great. Awesome.
1: Now, when in 2012, when you started getting into the monkeys hardcore, and you, I, I assume you went through and watched the episodes.
4: Mm-hmm. How? Well, <laughs> well, first of all, first of all, I started finding them on YouTube. They back okay. then they were on YouTube, and I was right. sort of sampling. Um, there were a lot of partial little scenes here and scenes there and some complete episodes. I dropped a lot of hints to my family and nobody bought me the DVDs for my birthday. (laughs) So on my birthday that evening, I stopped by my local Barnes and Noble and bought the DVDs (laughs) and I binge watched both seasons in the course of about two weeks. I was absolutely. And there were moments where they go like, I've seen that before. Mm. Yeah. You know, I sort of vaguely remember that 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 scared the dickens out of me when I was a kid (laughs) (laughs) because I didn't get the humor and I was still not quite formed enough to understand why it was funny. Um, But, you know, I just binge watched and then there were all the commentary tracks and the extras and I was so excited that I just, I burned those DVDs until they were nothing left
1: <laughs> well I'm guessing you liked the show when you watched it
4: very much yeah I guess Good. you might say I did
1: <laughs> so what prompted you to go from there to writing a book about it
4: well I didn't start out to write a book that was okay. never my initial intention um I had found a group of fans a community of fans on mm. Tumblr okay I don't know if you remember the Tumblr um site but um it seemed like in order to join the conversation you had to have something to contribute Mm. and you know people were posting concert videos or scans of old teen magazines or memories of the concert they saw in 19 whatever and i didn't have anything to contribute but one thing i knew i could do because i'd done it before for other tv shows is to write episode reviews okay and with a little sense of humor and you know a little bit of critique and insight as to what works what doesn't work what's funny what's not you know stuff like that mm. um tongue in cheek yeah and i started putting those up on tumblr just basically to try to find somebody to talk to <laughs> yeah. right and after a while i started having you know five or six people and then 10 and it just sort of grew Never very big. And then I got a message from a fellow named Andrew Hickey. Andrew Hickey is an author. He's written a whole lot of books about music. He's written Mm -hmm. about the Beatles, he's written about Beach Boys, but he wrote a book called Monkey Music. Okay. And he contacted me, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, You know, you've got a book here. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And After I scraped myself up off the floor and shrank my (laughs) head back down to its normal size, I said, why would anybody pay money to read what I put on the internet for free? (laughs) And he said, first of all, you'd be really surprised. (laughs) (laughs) And secondly, he said, there are all kinds of books about the monkeys, but nothing about the TV show. Mm. No one has written out there since then. There have been a couple more, right? Mm -hmm. but at the time there was no book about the monkeys as a TV show. Hmm. And here I was producing these episode reviews at a steady clip. Yeah. And he said, you know, you, you'd have to bulk them up a little bit, add some additional material, give it all a polish, but you've got the bones, the structure of a book. Yeah. And it turned out to be a substantial book. It's 360 pages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it does work as a doorstop.
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> Now, had you written a book before that?
4: No, no, wow. never. Um, and Andrew had to convince me and I dithered about it for quite a long time. I read up on self-publishing and I was scared to death. And I read uh, something that Peter Torque said in an interview. That was um, don't quit before the miracle. Wow. And I finally decided that I would look at it as a hobby, like yep. an expensive hobby. Right. Some people have <laughs> sailboats. Some people ride horses. This was going to cost me some money, but yeah. I would
0: try. We understand that all too well. Right. Yeah. Podcasting, yeah. maybe?
4: Yeah. Sharing?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> all, all of our hobbies are expensive. <laughs> uh,
4: okay. So, you know, I had to hire an editor and I had to hire, you know, graphic artist and other and other professionals to make it possible
3: mm.
4: and the whole thing in expenses ran me about three thousand dollars but I have recouped that over the course of the last 10 years in royalties so I I'm awesome. In, I'm in the black awesome <laughs> no, I mean I, I get a I get about twenty dollars a month <laughs> if <I'm lucky>. okay. <laughs> well that's great yeah.
1: So, I'm, I'm guessing the, you got a good reception to your book from the monkeys fan community.
4: Well, for the most part, I would say yes. Okay. But I try to remind myself, and I'll remind you at the same time since you're doing this podcast, mm-hmm. that the monkeys fandom is way, way, way bigger than you think it is. Mm-hmm. And I've likened it to a very, very, very large lake. Okay. And we are all standing on the shore and the only part of the fandom that we're interacting with is the little bit of water that laps over our shoes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But the lake is very wide and it's very deep. And you think, you know, the fandom, right? You don't, mm. you only know the part of it that you're interacting with. Sure. So, yeah. You know, Again, shrinking my head down to its normal size. <laughs> I, I have had some pushback. A few okay. reviewers on Amazon, you know, had a sort of, who do you think you are, mm. especially being such a new fan? You've only right. been with us for, you know, with oh, the, gosh, the book, the not, about a year and a half after <laughs> I started. So <laughs> I was really very, very new at that time, right. um, a little bit less. So now it's been 11 years, but, um, but that was the only pushback I had was that, you know, since my book is in some ways a critique mm. and there are things that I say are not quality, right? And are not the best. Um Sometimes I get a little pushback that that I um, I shouldn't be questioning it. <laughs> <laughs> I should just accept it as it is. Right. And, and I and I say to them, the, the Ladies Aid Society, maybe <laughs> 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 the day we fall in love.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Laugh. I'll throw I, a laugh in there.
4: <laughs> I like laugh. I
1: know you do. <laughs>
2: Well, because I'm, I was reading through, um, I'm really bad at remembering titles, but the one we're in the Haunted Mansion, it's like one of the first few seasons. And you had commented about them playing the organ. For the last train to Clarksville, run, uh, when there's not, we commented on that when we were uh, really yeah. like, "Why right, they're in Oregon? They're not playing in Oregon." That's <laughs> I cute. heard you. I heard. I listened so, to your
4: your podcast about the episodes, yeah, and yeah. I heard that.
1: I, I was yeah. annoyed enough. I made one. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just so you I know. would feel better.
4: <laughs> well, the writers didn't know right what song was going to be used, and for that matter, the writers probably didn't even know that there was such a song as last train to Clarksville because yeah. they were making the records at the same time.
1: Right. Yeah.
4: So yeah, they, they had no idea it was going to be plugged in there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So watching the show, I mean, you said you binged it over the course of like two weeks. Mm-hmm. What were your impressions? I mean, as the show, obviously it evolved over those two seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you feel like it got better and better? Did you feel like it got, it hit a peak and then fell off? Like yeah. what did you think of it as a, as a TV show?
4: Well, one of the things that I did for the book was make sure I knew the order of filming. Mm, Right. Because Mm. they did not broadcast the episodes in the order they were filmed. Right. They weren't Mm -hmm. even close. Right. Um, One of the first episodes they filmed before the show ever went on the air was Monkeys at the Movies. Mm. And that was the second to last episode of the first season. Mm. I don't know why it was delayed, but it was. Mm. And so when you see that you know right before um uh, monkeys on tour you got to think well this was actually a long time earlier right. right same with um the the second season with the episode monkeys blow their minds hmm. um that was filmed very early in the season and it was shown right at the end yeah um so i i don't see it mo- in terms of one season being better or more mature right um i I see it more of an up and down and up and down and up and down and i'm back on the lake sorry about that um (laughs) peter would be turning green at this point (laughs) maybe it was davy and the devil and peter torque was turning green with a c6 anyway um (laughs) the second season was a lot more Mm loosey-goosey um a lot more reckless um there was a lot more unexplained Why did they do that? I don't know why they did that, but just accept it and keep going kind of thing. And towards the very, very end, the last few episodes that they filmed, one of the trends that I noticed was the guys were not behaving like they really liked each other anymore.
3: Mm. Mm -hmm.
4: Not in the sense of being hateful towards each other, but just being indifferent towards each other. Yeah, And that was a vibe you could sort of pick up on. And the the very last episode that was filmed, which was the racing episode, Monkeys Race Again. And by the way, Elaine, I do the same thing you do. I have nicknames (laughs) for the episodes because I have trouble remembering. So for me, Monkeys Race Again is the auto racing Nazi episode. (laughs) But in the the opening scene of that episode, they're out in the front courtyard of the pad fixing the monkey mobile. Hmm. And there's 45 seconds that go by in which nobody says a word to anybody. Wow. There's a couple of sight gags, but there's no dialogue. Yeah. And then Davey answers a phone call, talks to his uncle or his grandfather or somebody about the racing tour. And then he delivers a few lines of very dry exposition just to explain what's going to be happening in this episode. Hmm. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. It's just kind of coldness. Yeah that it it again you don't notice it so much because the episodes were shown out of order but if you know which ones were filmed last you can really kind of feel it yeah yeah
1: do you have a favorite episode or an episode do you think is just an excellent one
4: i have a bunch of favorites um currently i'm touting hillbilly honeymoon okay which is a late second season episode and it's actually a stellar one one of the reasons i like it so much was because it has a lot of really colorful guest characters Mm -hmm. and the monkeys and the guest characters interact in different ways in different groups. And sometimes they're cooperating and sometimes they're not cooperating. And sometimes they rearrange who's at which cabin (laughs) arguing with whom. Mm. So it's a very intricate plot. Yeah. And the other thing is that everyone has a happy ending. Mm. Okay. That's good. Nobody in that story ends up unhappy. Oh Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds like it will be my favorite episode as well. <laughs> I, I, I love happy endings. I hate it when there's not a happy ending. That's true. Well,
4: everyone's everyone's a lot of really times wrong. the bad guys are boo-hooing off in the corner as the you know good guys cheer for having defeated the bad guys. But right. Hillbilly Honeymoon didn't really have bad guys. It just had misguided people, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lucky in <and> love.
1: <laughs> yeah, those are an episode that you think is just a real stinker.
4: Well, I mentioned the auto racing Nazis already. Yeah. That I think is the worst episode of the series, but it's not the episode I gave a failing grade to. Oh, I did fail one episode on a technicality. Okay. okay, And I get a lot of pushback from people about this and it's a, a debate I enjoy having. Yeah. Um, it's actually a very good episode, but it failed on a technicality. And that is that the episode is irredeemably racist. Oh. Yeah, okay. And the episode is called Monkey Chow Mein. Yeah. The yeah. Chinese spies episode. Right. Yeah. And I struggled with that one. I, yeah. Every time I started on a review, I would cue it up on the DVD. And then I'd watch it over and over and over and over and over again until it was firmly ingrained in my thought processes. Right. So that I could start to come up with an angle for that review. Right. And then I would start looking for the, you know, the nitpicks and the monkey magic and the breaking the fourth wall and stuff like that would come later. But Mm. I, I must've watched monkey chow main a dozen times in the course of 24 hours.
1: Oh, that's a lot.
4: And the more I watched it, the worse it got. Mm. Yeah. The racism. I, I finally said to myself, what if it were about African spies? Right. Right. Yeah. Caucasian actors in blackface, in African costumes, banging on drums and imitating mm-hmm. what they might think is an African accent. Right. And that's when I knew it's it's flunking. I'm not even going to give it a chance. That said, I give it a full review. I talk about the good things. Um, there are some parts of that episode that are absolutely wonderful. The, right. <laughs> The monkey men doing the mind control, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and your mother never ever loved you. You know, (laughs) it's it's excellent, but I'm sorry. And and people say to me, but Melanie, back then nobody thought. And I said, okay, back then nobody thought. But you know what? I'm not back then. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm, here.
0: I'm talking about now. (laughs) Yeah, what I think right now. (laughs)
4: Right. (laughs) So, if someone was new
1: to the monkeys, like say someone knows their songs and they've not really watched the TV show, mm-hmm. I mean, where would you recommend that they start?
4: With a television show? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That is a very interesting question because I've never actually done that. <laughs> the people that I'm talking to usually have been watching it many more decades than I. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, hmm. Well, I'll tell you this, and and you might realize this already, but your listeners probably don't, unless they have my book. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, <laughs> Is I didn't re- I didn't do the episodes in chronological order. Okay. I reviewed the episodes in alphabetical order. Oh. Yes. And the reason I did that was to have constant variety and yes. randomness.
3: Okay.
4: So you're bouncing around back and forth and back and forth. So as it happens, the very first episode in alphabetical order turned out to be an episode that was very unusual. Okay. And I that was the theme of my first review in the in the first chapter of the book was. Well, I said I was going to do it this way, and alias Mickey Dolan's is the one I got. (laughs) (laughs) It's very dark. It doesn't have a lot of humor. The only romp in the episode is a bunch of extras beating each other senseless. Mm. (laughs) And that's the romp. Right. I mean, Mickey's sitting on the floor unconscious through the entire romp, and everyone (laughs) else is smashing chairs over each other's heads and breaking (laughs) bottles and stuff and and mickey's almost the only monkey in that episode davy's missing peter is almost missing mike is peripherally involved in a few scenes and i found that they filmed this right before christmas (laughs) they did yeah and davy had gone home to england to his sister's wedding right yeah why he wasn't in that episode and I thought, well, maybe they did this on purpose. I never did find out.
3: Hmm.
4: They Maybe they did this on purpose so that people could have a little Christmas break. And the only one who was needed on set was the one who lives right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> right.
4: I don't know. It's just a theory. But, yeah. you know, getting back, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend a new fan start with Alias Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't recommend they start with a pilot either. The, no, um, I think it was very wise of them to wait until episode 10 to show the pilot because it is yeah. so out of step with the rest of the series. Yeah. Um, Where would I start? I might start with Royal flush. I mean, okay. heck, I won the Emmy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I might jump forward to maybe something like monkeys in a ghost town or, um, the spy who came in for the cool, they had some really great early first season episodes. And yeah, just a while ago. I was saying that they didn't have a pattern like that, but they, (laughs) they had a bunch of good ones right up front. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So when you were writing your reviews, did you go through alphabetically watching the episodes or did you watch them like in the order on the disc, for instance, and then order the reviews after the fact?
4: I, I did it alphabetically. So the first thing I did was write down all the episode titles, right? Alphabetize the list. And then okay, alias Mickey don't's find which disc that's on, put it in, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. So I was doing them in that order. Okay. okay. I did consider once it turned into a book switching back to production order. Mm. I thought about it. I realized that readers would want that. <laughs> <laughs> but I had put too many time references into the reviews. Mm. And if I had changed them around to chronological order, I would have had to do massive rewrites. Yeah. Yeah. Like the like the ones where you say,
2: like, um, the recycled bits, mm-hmm. you'd have to change because you wouldn't want to spoil anything mm. that might come later. But if it's already out of order anyway, then it doesn't matter if you're yeah. telling that <laughs> the, the, the stars
4: in your eyes, you're going to see that again. If you haven't seen
2: it already, <laughs> oh, well, you're going
4: to see it also- more than once. For example, and this comes pretty early in the book, um, back to back in alphabetical order are The Audition, Mm -hmm. which I've learned since then is properly called Find the Monkeys. But I had it under The Audition, followed by Captain Crocodile. Mm -hmm. Those two just happen to fall back to back in the alphabetical order. And so when I started doing the review of Captain Crocodile, I said, what's the odds that we're going to have the two episodes about The Monkeys getting a TV show? one right after the other right and that was part of the theme because I was comparing the two tv jobs to each other and saying, oh well where cap where the audition was like this captain crocodile is like that Mm. and so again if I had separated them I would have had to do massive rewrites
1: Mm. yeah I understood yeah Yeah. it's I think it's very in the spirit of the monkeys too to say well people probably want it to be this way but that's not what I'm gonna do (laughs) A little a little Mike Nesma spirit coming through it.
4: Well, some some people that I've talked to have, have said, you know, after a while, I realized I don't watch them in order anymore. Yeah. So what's wrong with the the book being out of order? Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: for
2: sure. Yeah, yeah. We're reviewing them in order, but yeah. I think that just—I don't know why.
1: We just are. <laughs> we,
4: just, we just are. Most just people are. do. <laughs> most most people do it in order. I. Mm-hmm. I understand that I had done episode reviews of other TV shows in the past. And the alphabetical thing was just a thing I do. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Now, have you since turned any of your other work into books? No, Oh, okay. no.
4: <laughs> I haven't been inspired. And if I, I am inspired, I will yeah. see what I can do. But the other, the other TV shows I've been interested in to the level of the monkeys,
3: mm-hmm.
4: the books were already out there. Right. Okay. And one of the reasons that my book was feasible was simply there weren't any. Right. Yeah. And one thing I would like to say, just in case there are, you know, one or two people listening who don't have my book yet. Mm -hmm. Monkey Magic available on Amazon. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that it's not a recap. I've had people say, even in reviews, they said, she recaps every episode. And I'm like, no, I don't. (laughs) I don't recap. I every chapter starts with a one sentence summary of what the episode is about. Mm -hmm. I call it the in which. Right. And once you get past that, I am not telling you what happened in the episode. I'm assuming you already know what happened in the episode. So I'm not going to tell you the plot. I'm not going to tell you who the characters are. I'm not going to tell you who said what. That's up to you. I'm starting with themes, Mm. quality, plans, character arcs, that's where I am. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so how do you think the monkeys holds up as a as a work of television, sort of separate mm. from the whole fandom and music end of it?
0: With the exception of that one episode.
1: Right.
4: Well, <laughs> it's not just the one. One of the recurring themes in the book is things that really seemed funny at the time, but mm. nowadays really aren't. Sure. Mm. Um, and Monkey Chalmane wasn't the only episode with a racism problem. It was just the worst of the lot. Right. Um, so in that sense, in the sense where we have to cross our fingers and look aside and say, well, back then they didn't, you know, yeah, that is a problem.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: However, the humor is timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, Mickey Dolans is fond of saying that because they weren't topical in their humor, um, that's why it it doesn't get old. Mm-hmm. They're not doing the headlines. Right and to Mickey, I say, have you watched the aliens episode <laughs> <said?"> <laughs> because that one is very topical, yeah, um it's all about you know, do you know who's moving into your neighborhood mm-hmm. yeah um it's it's a it's got it's got some very timely mes- messages in it, but it it was different enough that I think it does hold up very well and the fact fe- different enough that i don't think anyone has managed to copy it
3: right mm-hmm. yeah
4: yeah um there have been some attempts but it just it really does stand it 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 was groundbreaking enough and uh i think it's it stands very well on its own hmm. and the fact that we're all still talking about it 50 years later <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely good sign yeah and i've i've always been a big fan of old shows old movies old books mm-hmm. things like that and you know in discussing them and like you say the, the topic comes up that this doesn't hold up that doesn't hold up and so mm-hmm. forth and the way i look at it is i mean i'm i'm encouraged when i look back at something that's 50 years old and it seems out of date you know, mm-hmm. that uh, that means we've progressed since then. That yeah. sort of our sensibility. I mean, it, it would it would be terrible if I watched a 50-year-old show and it was more advanced than we are now.
0: <laughs> we're headed that way.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> let's hope not. Let's hope not. So in, in that respect, I, I find it encouraging that we're that we're moving forward and I can appreciate what it was at the time, but also, you know, there's a lot of things and even my favorite old TV shows that I don't care to carry forward, yeah. <laughs> you know, some things stay in the past.
4: Yeah. Well, I'll give you an example of, of a pleasant surprise. And I actually realized this part way through that, watching the episode over and over and over and over and over again, before writing the review. Right. Um. There's an episode that's, uh, they're looking for a treasure on a, mm. uh, Gilligan's Island. You know, it's an island. Oh, right. yeah. And there's a there are two characters on the island. And one of them is an Australian adventurer. And the other one is a, a tall black man wearing African costume, mm-hmm. wearing, carrying a shield and a spear. <laughs> and I was fully prepared to be, oh, my God, I can't believe they're doing this. And it, you know, I was cringing and cringing, even though to his credit, Rupert Cross is very funny. And he did a great job with the role. But then I noticed like on viewing number six, he's wearing a kilt. (laughs) (laughs) He's wearing a kilt. This is not some African guy. This is some (laughs) Los Angeles guy who got kidnapped (laughs) (laughs) and forced to wear this bizarre outfit because he works for the great white (laughs) nutcase.
3: Yeah, that's awesome.
4: (laughs) And suddenly I was like, okay, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's another example, the, um, case of the missing monkey. This is the one in the hospital and, uh, the bad guy dresses up like a Chinese restauranter mm. and convinces the cops that nothing happened here because it's just a Chinese restaurant, <laughs> you know, really, really horrible, horrible, cringeworthy. Oh my God, they can stop. But then I realized that's not a Chinese guy. That's a bad guy. Pretending to be a Chinese guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So he gets a pass. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, what, what were some some guest stars that really stuck with you or leap out at you from the show?
4: Um, You know, one guest star that to the point where I've actually become a fan of hers is mm. Rosemary.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
4: At first, it was just a matter of deciding which performance of hers on the Monkees I liked better. Yeah. And if, I did know her from the Dick Van Dyke show. Right. Um, mm-hmm. she, you know, she's a great, great gal. But I watched. I was actually watching as it was being prepared to be released, and then I went to the theater and saw it. um, A, a biographical film of Rose Marie mm. came out about five years ago, just before she died. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's called "Wait for Your Laugh." Mm-hmm. What an amazing life that woman had. Yeah. She broke into show business when she was three years old.
3: Yeah.
4: Her father put her on stage and she started singing and everyone was like, I can't believe that sound is coming at that little girl's mouth. Yeah. Um, she, she was a generation before Shirley Temple. She was Shirley Temple. Yeah. yeah. She was selling out theaters. She was on the radio and I don't mean locally. I mean, NBC nationwide radio mm-hmm. programs, her face was on um, sheet music and snacks and, and covers of magazines. And her na- her, her stage name was baby Rosemary. Right. Yeah. And when she was a teenager, she dropped the baby mm-hmm. part, but she never added her last name back in. Mm-hmm. She was before share before Bono. <laughs> <laughs> she was the first of the single name.
3: Right. Yeah. yeah.
4: And throughout her long career, she was rosemary not rosemary mazetta
3: mm-hmm.
4: or rosemary guy which was her married name she never mm-hmm. used her her father's name or her husband's name hmm. as her stage name yeah um, what an amazing woman and what an yeah. amazing life she had her her dad was mobbed up and you know she would come off the stage at some nightclub and sit down with the mobsters and they'd You know, give her a non-alcoholic drink and and say, you know, (laughs) we'll take care of you, little girl. (laughs) (laughs) Fascinating life.
1: Yeah. Like you, I first knew of her from the Dick Van Dyke show. That was what I was. I grew up watching. And then later, I I would see her on Hollywood Squares and things like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Every time I see her in anything, she's just fantastic.
4: Yeah. And such an amazing voice. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what she did on Monkeys in a Ghost Town was sing badly on purpose. Yeah. Right, and it takes a remarkable skill to sing badly on purpose. Mm-hmm. She really is an amazing singer. Was mm-hmm. yeah. an amazing singer.
3: Yeah.
4: So anyway, you asked. The <laughs> guest star <laughs> of the hour. <laughs> I was just talking recently about um, uh, Bio, Joey Bio, okay, um, which is um, Captain Crocodile. He was the little twelve-year-old network executive. Yeah. Okay. The particular mm-hmm. toys, yeah. who hired the monkeys to be on Captain Crocodile show. Yeah. Joey Bio, before he did the monkeys, was on Broadway. Oh. In Oliver. Oh. Wow. Playing the Artful Dodger. Oh, really? Which was Davy's role. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can you imagine the two of them getting together and comparing notes?
1: Oh, right.
4: Backstage on Captain Crocodile.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'd love to hear those conversations. <laughs>
4: right. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Mm -hmm. I I have a Facebook group. I'm going to plug that now. Please don't get any money off of it. Like I do get off the book, but um, Facebook is also called monkey magic. And Mm -hmm. basically this is my book going into um, extra innings. Basically (laughs) Um, we talk about, well, anything monkeys is fine, but specifically one episode per month, Mm. Mm -hmm. alphabetical order, but going backwards. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just why not right Just <laughs> yeah and it, we spent a month doing a deep dive into that episode and we would do things like you know which guest star was the mo- or which guest character was the most intriguing rate the romp mm-hmm. i give a prize for set design oh um you know different things throughout the course of the month and yeah. then at the end of the month we decide who gets the cookie for that episode Mm -hmm. which is the prize for the the real person not fictional character who did did something to make the episode special Mm. so it could be an actor or it could be a writer or a producer or a director or set designer or costumer or you know anybody it usually goes to one of the actors but you know once in a while we get lucky and it goes a different way
1: okay that's awesome
4: if you want to talk about the monkeys as a tv show the monkey magic facebook group is a fun place it's yeah, yes. called monkey magic, just like my book. Awesome, yes. yeah. After I wrote the book, I started collecting copies of TV scripts. Okay. And I got as many as I could get my hands on, which is about twenty or twenty-five. I haven't counted them recently. Okay. But I did something that I called the script to screen project, hmm. and I'd compare the script to the finished episode and try to find changes. Yeah. And then see how those changes reflect on the creative process. Hmm. And I've discovered some remarkable things in the course of doing the scripted screen project. And there's one that I like to share with anyone who will sit still long enough to listen. <laughs> so if you need to cut me off,
3: no, no. 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 just keep going. This is fascinating. <laughs> yes.
4: Okay. You guys did the um the pilot mm-hmm. not yes. too long ago. You talked about the pilot. And, of course, the, the pilot that we see is not the original pilot. Even the one that they say is the unaired pilot is not the original pilot. Right. Because they, that one flunked. It was so bad that they had to recut it. And when they recut mm. it, they didn't save the original. Right. right. So we don't have the original to see, but I've got a script. Oh, wow. And so I see some things in the script that don't make sense or were changed drastically in the course of that edit. Yeah. And the biggest one is the scene right at the beginning of the aired pilot or the unaired pilot. It's the man in the street interview. Okay. And you see it's a dark night and there's a guy with a radio microphone and he's interviewing a pompous doctor about what he would do if he saw somebody being in a fight.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And the doctor says, I jump in with fists and feet flying. And then when the monkeys show up and actually stage a fight, the doctor runs away. Right. And that's the joke. But it has yeah. nothing to do with the episode. It's, right. I, I even said this in my book. And then, again, I wrote the book before I got the script yeah. um, about how horribly out of place that yeah. scene is. It doesn't make any sense. Tur- turns out that scene is not at the beginning of the script. That scene is in the middle of the script. Yeah, And it actually occurs after Vanessa flunks her history test. And right before that man on the street scene... Vanessa's father has come to the record store where Rudy, the manager owns the record store and confronts Rudy and says, you know, this boy he's dating my daughter made her flunk her history test out until 1. AM. I don't want them to play at the party anymore. They're terrible people. And Rudy's like, believe me, if you got to know them, you'd really like them. They're nice kids. (laughs) And they're having this discussion in the record store. And then they walk outside right into the man in the street interview. Mm. Now go back and cue up your DVD and watch that scene again. Rudy yeah. and Mr. Russell are in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> They're there on the screen. They're watching what's going on. They're reacting to what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Suddenly the scene has context. Right. That it never had when we saw it at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. And when the doctor runs away, Mr. Russell turns away in disgust. Mm. Right, and Rudy is looking at the monkeys as they're scampering away in the other direction, which means he's looking right into the camera, and laughing. <laughs> he's laughing with his. He I mean, throws his head back and guffaws because he <laughs> knows these kids and he thinks that was funny. Yeah, Mr. Russell didn't think it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> and the last line in the scene in the script is "Keep those boys away from my daughter." Mm. Wow. And the next scene is jill who is rudy's daughter on the beach telling the guys you're in big trouble yeah
1: oh that makes a lot more sense
4: yeah how it all fits together now
1: yeah wow and they always talk about too about the monkeys how they're encouraged to improvise Mm -hmm. so i've always wondered like how much of the dialogue is was scripted dialogue and how much of it was the monkeys
4: that's that is a popular misconception that i'm very happy to put to rest and Part of the reason that I can say that so confidently is because of another book about the Monkees TV show by Ro- Roseanne Welsh okay. um, called Why the Monkees Matter. She is a screenwriter herself, okay. and she bolstered this, which I've also heard from various monkeys in interviews. There was very little live improv going on. Right. The scripts were written for them by professional writers and the professional writers deserve the credit for the scripts they wrote. Right. Mm -hmm. What they did do was paraphrase. Mm. A lot of times a a sentence would come out. It's the same sentence, but the words are switched around Mm -hmm. or they might use a different slang word. Right. Mm. So they were basically delivering the same line, but slightly differently. Yeah. But. On the set, they had to be on their mark so that they'd be in focus with a light shining on them. So they Mm -hmm. couldn't really do what we think of as improv. They had to deliver what was on the page Mm -hmm. or they'd mess it up. Right. Right. But Frawley, especially uh, James Frawley, their director who directed about about half of the episodes, would encourage them to come up with ideas for the romps. Mm.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
4: So, and I saw an interview where he said that, you know, it'd be like, okay, guys, we've got a bow and arrow. What can we do with a bow and arrow? And they, you know, come up with an idea and then yeah. they would film that. Right. Right. The romps were a little bit freer, but mm-hmm. they still had to come up with the idea first so mm-hmm. they could put the camera in the right place. Oh yeah. And the light in the right place so that they would be in focus with the light on them at the moment that they did whatever they were going to do. Right. Um, so the improvising, a lot of people like, oh, I wonder if Mike improvised that speech in Devlin Peter <laughs> like,
3: No, he no. did not
4: improvise the speech in Devil and Peter Tork. That right. was written by a professional writer. Right. <laughs> yeah. Give the writer some credit.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that makes sense because, I mean, you've you, you got a narrative story. And they're shooting it on film. So you can't yeah. just burn film and risk running, coming up with the story it doesn't make any sense in the end. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because even within an episode, the scenes aren't filmed in order. You film it oh. this set and this setup and this set and this setup. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I mean that so that what you're saying makes a lot of sense. That's why I've never read an actual monkey script. Every time I find one online, it's a transcript that seems like it's just copied from the oh. episode.
4: Try um, not, Try again. They are okay. out there. Um, I paid about $20 per episode from some guy who has an original that he yeah. photocopies, sells, then photocopies another one, sells, photocopies another one, sells. So okay. there's an unlimited supply of copies okay. of the exact same thing I have. They're okay. out there. Um, and in fact, Andrew Sandoval put out a plea for monkey scripts so maybe four or five months ago. Right. And I yeah. had four of the ones he needed. Oh wow. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll photocopy them and send you the PDF. Sure, no problem. You know, it's yeah. happy to help. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but um, the, the these are not necessarily the script that was filmed.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, there's one I'm sure was used on the set. Actually, two. And one that I'm sure was never anywhere near the set because this the story had changed drastically Mm. from what was on the. They could not have filmed from that script. It was too different. Okay. Right. There must have been a huge over you know rewrite before it was filmed. Um, I have a copy of um, the Frodus Caper that was Mm -hmm. Mickey's copy. Oh wow! He sold them. Yeah. It was a thing he did back in the '90s. He photocopied his. Frodo s- script, autographed the cover and sold them. And wow. I managed to get one of them secondhand. So I have, um, and you know, it's Mickey's not only because of the autograph, but because of the way he directed that episode. Right. Mm. And so he was scribbling on every single that's, page. That's <laughs> what I was going to ask. <laughs> every time they finished filming a scene, you cross it out. So <laughs> sure <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he didn't miss any.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that was going to be my question too, is were there any like handwritten notes or interesting like notes to himself, kind of stuff in his script for that one?
4: Uh, in Mijikojo or mm-hmm. the Frotus Caper. Right. Yes, but nothing that immediately comes to mind. I'd have to, okay. to go back and think of it. One I can think of that is fascinating to me is um, Fairy Tale. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, this script has been written on by several different people, at least one of whom was a, a fan. Okay. But I think originally belonged to somebody either. A costumer, a set designer, or possibly the director. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> but there are scribbles in the margins about changes to the set. Basically, they did it on an interior set that was pretending to be this fairy tale kingdom, but you know, it had concrete floors and right. you know, bare yeah. walls. And several places in the early part of that script, the script calls for Peter to lie face down in the mud. Hmm. And in the in the margin it says, no mud. <laughs> and then later on he's he's overhearing um eavesdropping on the bad guys outside the um inn yeah. while they're making their evil plans. Yeah. And the script says he's standing outside their inn washing the mud off his costume. <laughs> and in, the, in the margin it says, no mud. <laughs>
1: That's great. That's great. <laughs>
4: That's hilarious. Yeah, that's awesome. So the script to screen project, I'm in the process of uploading them to my Facebook group, on okay. Lucky Magic Facebook, um, yeah. so people can read, you know, my observations and see, you know, how it all lined up. And I put illustrations, like if it says, you know, he looks like a particular character from this 1940s Western, I put a picture of that character, so you know who they're talking about and yeah. <laughs> stuff like that.
1: Now, might that be leading to another book? no oh
4: (laughs) absolutely not people have asked me but there's a couple of reasons one is i only have about 20 25 scripts sure and some of them were kind of boring okay i mean it's close enough to the what was on tv that it's not really worth right um and the other thing is the copyright issue would be Mm. absolutely insane there's no way i could call that fair use okay so no this is this is not something i could try even try to publish okay yeah
1: Yeah, so folks need to go to the Monkey Magic Facebook page to see that then.
4: Yeah, Yeah. thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we know the book is on Amazon. Can you give the full title one more time?
4: Monkey Magic, a book about a TV show about a band. And it's not just Amazon. It's pretty much any large online bookseller like barnesandnoble.com. Okay. So if you're not in a country that has Amazon as your number one bookseller online, try what? Your version of Amazon is and it's probably there.
1: Yeah. OK, I know, Elaine, you've been making your way through it.
4: Yes. Yes.
2: I've been reading the the one for the episode we have already reviewed mm-hmm. because not that I'm spoiling anything because I've seen all the episodes already at least once in my lifetime somewhere. But, you know, I kind of want to keep it fresh for when we talk about it on the show, then, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not I'm not I'm not sitting through the book going, let me see this fact here.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not just episodes. There are several essays. There's one about female characters. There's one about adult characters. And there's an episode about the episode. There's an an essay about the romps. Yes, I saw that. How they use music on the show. And there's also an essay explaining the title which you haven't asked me about. Why is it called Monkey Magic?
1: Why is it called Monkey Magic?
4: (laughs) Well, cast your mind back to the 1960s. There was a lot of magic on TV. It was um, Bewitched, My mm-hmm. Dream of Jeannie. There were things like Mr. Ed, yeah. mm-hmm. My Mother the Car, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot the about Ghost that. and Mrs. Muir, the uh, Nanny and the Professor. I mean, there was a lot of magic on TV. And that's how I perceived the monkeys when I was a child, oh. was as a show about people who had magic abilities. They do. Yeah. They are able to conjure things up out of nowhere. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. because they need a prop. Suddenly the prop appears. Yeah. yeah. They can teleport. Remember that scene in um, uh, your friendly neighborhood kidnappers when they're getting dressed mm-hmm. one by one, they disappear out of the scene <laughs> and then yep. one by one, they come back in.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, one of my favorite magic abilities is some shared imagination. Mm. When um, again, uh, R- Royal flush, he mm-hmm. starts to debrief them on how they're going to break into the hotel. And suddenly he's in military uniform, but it is not just he who's in military uniform. The others are all in military <laughs> uniform. and they all immediately adapt to this altered reality as mm-hmm. a group.
3: Yeah.
4: You know, it's not just one person imagining they're all imagining together. Mm, yeah. And so I glommed onto these magical moments as a child, what little I did see of the show, and maybe the reason I didn't get into it as much as I should have was because there wasn't enough magic. Right. <laughs> but one of the things I love about it is unlike Bewitched and I Dream of Genie, where it's all about the rules hmm. who has magic, who doesn't, how it works, who can be told, why we shouldn't tell anybody, you know, why you shouldn't use magic, stuff like that. This show, they just use it because it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they don't talk about it, they don't decide. It just happens. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. It is so nonchalant and just easy as breathing. It just happens.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome.
4: That's not what the book's about, but that's where the title came from. (laughs)
1: OK, so, yeah, folks, definitely go check out the book. And then um, your Facebook group is also called Monkey Magic. Yes. And is there anywhere else that we should be directing people to find more of what
4: you're doing? Well, right now I'm on a podcast with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that will be nope.
4: sharing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the, the Facebook group is pretty much where I live my fandom right now awesome okay
1: well thank you very much for joining this this has been a lot of fun
4: yeah thank you thank you i've really appreciated it yeah Yeah. best of luck with your travels through the episodes i look forward to listening to them well thank you thank you you. That was a really fun interview
0: with Molly Mitchell. Everyone should really check out her book. Mm-hmm. Get those numbers up for her.
1: Yeah, she has a lot of good insights on the show. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think it's interesting that there's a lot of fans who disagree with her opinions. But that's going to happen when you put opinions out about a show that people have liked and cared about for half a century or more. Or, you know, since they were or, young, people are going to have opinions. Any show. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's cool that she's got her her thoughts sort of collected in that in that book.
0: Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. All right, Chuck, do you have a you may also like for us this week?
1: I do, and this is actually one that you suggested. Yeah.
0: So do you want to do it? Yes. The Ruin Brothers are fantastic. Some of their earlier work is is more sixties leaning. Mm-hmm. Um, some of their current work is more country leaning. So yeah. um nice little monkeys mix in there. Got a little bit of Mickey and a little bit of mic for you. Yeah. Um, but they have some amazing songs, and it's two brothers, the Ruin Brothers. They were originally based out of the UK and now they're based out of Kentucky and touring the US um, on their current tour. So uh, definitely definitely check them out. They're a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, And their original album, All My Shades of Blue, it's very much in the vein of like the Everly Brothers, a lot of like Roy Orbison sound to it. And, like, Rick Rubin produced that album. They really captured that vibe. and Very, very retro and fun. But then their second album, Ultra Modern, was as if you took that, it's like 1962 group and transported them to the present day because all of a sudden the production was very sort of slick and modern and but using um the style of music that they like but but a different spin on it which is really surprising and then their third album is another really surprising album because it's a western noir and it's (laughs) it's like the cowboy songs like johnny western those types of songs but they mix in a lot of like early 60s um, synthesizer, like electronic tones. Mm-hmm. It has sort of like a forbidden planet kind of feel to it. It's like mixing like old sci-fi and old Western songs <laughs> together. It's, it's a really cool album. It's probably my favorite album of this year so far.
0: Hmm, Mixing cool. Western and space. Yeah. What else <laughs> tried to do that, that you like?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but um, we, we got to see them when they were here again, we've seen them before, but they were back here in Atlanta. And we had a lot of fun at the concert. Mm-hmm. Did you have a good
0: time? I had a fantastic time. I was the only one up dancing because this was a room where it was the listen room. Right. You were supposed to sit there and listen to the music and I was like, nope.
1: Yeah. If you've ever been (laughs) to Eddie's Attic in Atlanta, it's like if you had a small upstairs room and you just poured people and tables and chairs into it. So like if someone has to go to the bathroom, you have to like climb over other people to get out. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not a dancing venue, but when Veronica's there, it's a dancing venue.
0: Yes. (laughs) Even if it's just like Sliding up in front of my really tall chair. So I'm now actually shorter and less blocking the people behind me. Right.
1: (laughs) But we had a good time. Yeah, I, I recommend the Ruin Brothers. If you'd like... I mean, if you like music, I would check them out, especially if you like older music. They're very rooted in old musical styles, but they do some really interesting creative things with it, which I really appreciate.
0: Yeah. And if you're in the Atlanta area, they're going to be back in town in December Mm -hmm. for a Christmas tour. Um, Very excited about that. We don't have dates yet. They just happened to mention it when we were at their show. So uh, very excited to be able to see them at a different venue that I know has dancing.
1: Yeah, this venue is better (laughs) for dancing, so it's more up your alley.
0: Yes. (laughs) So in some slightly sad news, it will be uh, probably three to four weeks before we have another podcast Mm -hmm. out. Um, Chuck and I have DragonCon coming up, and that is sucking up all of our energy. (laughs) Yeah,
1: we have four (laughs) hour-long shows at DragonCon that we're prepping for, plus a puppet slam that we're in, plus uh, a crafting hour that we're hosting, plus...
0: And one of the shows is all new puppets. Like, we haven't even built the style of puppets before, so we're still figuring out how to build them.
1: Yeah, so we're a little bit underwater. So we're taking a little bit of a break. And then we'll be back in September with some really fun episodes. We've got yeah. some some fans who are coming on to talk about the Monkey Men who were there at the show. That's going to be a lot of fun. We we'll get some firsthand opinions and observations about the show. Also, we're we're all going to go together to see Beautiful, the Carol King musical, mm-hmm. and we're going to do a review of that musical on the show. And that that should, we've got some fun things coming up. It's going to be a good time yeah. in September.
0: Yeah, yeah, it will be. All right, Elaine, where can people find more of you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Monkeying Around. I'm
2: still calling it that. I can't get used to the other names.
0: Um, <laughs> on Facebook
2: at Monkeying Around. And we have email, monkeying around podcast at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Elaine and Matt watch TV, where me and my husband Matt chronicle what we're watching on television.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is really hilarious.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and how about us, Chuck?
1: Feltnerdy.com. And Earth Station Trek, our podcast about Star Trek.
0: And I also have some new ventures. Um, for some of our more adult themed puppet shows. Um, I have a page, Dabbo Woman, on Facebook. Um, this is not necessarily this next thing is not necessarily puppet themed, but it is uh, my TikTok that I've been delving into, talking about some Star Trek, showing adorable videos of my puppy and just some generic TikTok stuff. Um, but that's Dabbo Woman 8 on TikTok. And there's a couple fun videos that talk about Star Trek wines that we've tried and about some of the episodes and all that fun stuff. All right. Thanks for monkeying around. Thanks for monkeying around with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and monkeyingaround.com. I'm very bad with thinking of questions. I know. You haven't said (laughs) anything in a while. (laughs)